What's cracking, everybody? Happy Tuesday, February 23rd, 2021. 10.23 here in the dorm over at Far Par U of I. Uh, you know, today I want to start off uh, the podcast with a disclaimer. I did not have one in my last podcast, so I deleted it out of fear that the feds would get to me. So uh, I'm going to start it off right now. Probably skip into like a minute or so and I should be done with it. But, you know, got to say it. I'm a student. Love the markets. These are my views. Not recommending or selling investments. Do your homework. Like, no matter what I say, always do your homework. Like, I don't know anything. All investments are subject to potential loss and profit. Yeah, I'm not a financial advisor. I just like freaking stocks, man. Alrighty. So, getting into the action today. I mean, you know, I was out flying the whole, from like 8 till 1. So, I was not watching the markets, you know. Well, actually, okay, right before, right when the market opened, I bought gold, I bought gold, coffee, and silver, and I just didn't look back. I was like, I was set, I was playing, buying those at the open, you know, I was happy with it, you know, I love my position and where I'm at, so that's, so I did do that, but then I didn't watch the markets at all. You know, Powell was speaking at like 10 o'clock on Capitol Hill, so that is something I really wish I watched, but the second I got back, man, I spent probably hour, hour and a half dissecting what he had to say. And um, I guess we'll get into a market recap first, you know, what major indices, what they did. And then I want to dissect Powell's um, testimony because I have a a lot of thoughts on that one. Lots of thoughts. So we got the Dow down five bips, S&P up. No, sorry, up five bips on the Dow, up 13 bips on the S&P. We got GDX, my my baby, down 2.25%. The VIX down 1.45%. USO up 82 bips. Banks up 61 bips. Tech sector up 20, down 28 bips. Grayscale Bitcoin down 14%. TLT down 29 bips. Uh, energy, the XLE up 1.65%. Tesla down 2%. You know, gap down big, but it had you know nice fade there. Um, marijuana, MJ down 3.28%. Another one that had a nice rally throughout the day. Corn up 52 bips, soybean, you know, the the bean, the, the freaking ag stocks, man. They're they're always cranking. Uh got some positions in those. Got to I mean, I love them. I've been in in them since December and they've just been treating me right. Uh you know, the inflation trade is on. It's here to stay. You know, just keep buying these stocks if you like them. Do your research, but uh you know, they're 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 uh fun. I like them a lot. You know, it's just Inflation's here, you know, you can see with the yields, you know, we'll get we'll get into that. But uh yeah, I mean that's what you want to be owning right now. You got uh silver down two point one three percent, gold flat on the day, tw- down twenty-three bips, uh pave, the infrastructure index up forty-eight bips, TM uh now we don't need to talk about TMF and uh yeah, riot blockchain down twenty-four percent. Joe, my baby, coffee. She's ready to break out, as I've been saying. You know, she was trading in this uh, range, 35, 37, buy, buy, buy. And, you know, she has not broken out like uh, corn, wheat, uh, and soybeans. So I was like, you got to get on this Joe trade. I mean, I think it's it's like, right, there's some uh, big resistance over at the 40, 40, 49. So if it's able to break that, I mean, I think it's off to the races. This thing it's, makes news, new highs. Uh 
Yeah, they're the highest it peaked at was forty four fifty six in twenty nineteen. So that's the level to be watching out for. Uh, Micro strategy, freaking big Bitcoin guys down twenty one percent. GameStop. I mean, I I'm not even going to talk about that in this podcast. Um, and yeah, you know the emerging markets up forty five bips. So you know, pretty flat day out there. LQD flat, up eight bips. HYG up twenty four bips, flat on the day. Um, so, you know, the Russell 2000 down to 88 bips, NASDAQ down half a percent. So really like not, not a whole lot of action, you know, there, it was pretty volatile, you know, opened up down, finish up, you know, sold off a little bit in the close, but it was basically just people reacting to what Powell had to say. So without further ado, I'm going to get into what Powell said. So I took, I t- I'm taking this, not quote, quoting him directly, but it's just what I dictated from what he was saying. So he said something along the lines of this. And um, this stuck out to me. This got me thinking today. And ever since I heard Powell say this, I, I haven't really been able to focus. And I'm going to tell you why. So he said, starting to get in the realm of negative. So this guy, the senator was asking him, starting to get in the realm of like negative rates, uh, like we saw in March. What's the issue here? And this is what Powell had to say. With T-bills, there's a lot of demand in the short term, a lot of liquidity, and people want to store it in treasury bills. There's demand, and it drives down the rates people receive for buying those assets. Our policy rate is the federal funds rate, and to think there would be downward pressure on that because of the treasury general account shrinking in size. Then we, so, I mean, so he's basically saying that people are selling treasuries. That's, what I, that's how I interpret it. And then he says... But there's a lot of demand for short term. So this got me thinking a lot. And he said, if uh, there's any pr- downward pressure on the general Treasury general account shrinking in size, we have the tools that we can use to keep that rate and policy in our policy range. And we will do that uh, should limit that. To, so they're basically saying we have tools um, that will limit how much Treasury market uh, T-bills will go lower or negative. So is Powell saying he's going to raise rates? Like that's what I'm. That's what I'm truly curious about. He's like, we have tools, but then he's saying there's a lot of demand for short-term liquidity, but there's a lot of downer pressure on the Treasury general account. So it's like a. I'm just trying to decipher that. So I started going through and checking these bond rates, and um, you know I've been saying you know in the first podcast, I was saying the bond market is messed up. There's something inherently wrong. Doesn't make sense to me. Um, but before I get into that, that's like the whole second part of the podcast. I also want to reflect on. So that this that really stood out to me. He said, higher yields reflect economic confidence. And so he's saying higher yields, inflation's a good thing. And we should be happy that we have it because we're in like deflationary uh you know, situation here in the States. And, you know, I don't think that's true at all. I think inflation was terrible for us. You know, it's going to cause a huge equity crash, prices skyrocket. Um, you know, people are better, worse off, worse off, worse off, and not better off. Um, you know, the poor, the rich will, you know, people who, like, I, there's just, everyone's going to, like, lose money. You know, the purchasing power goes down for everyone. Um, the dollar loses its value, you know. Yeah, that that that's what inflation brings, and you know I think that's uh, some uh, terrible, 
that I don't think that's that it reflects economic confidence. I think it reflects fear that inflation is coming, and so people are selling their long-term bonds, um, tre- treasury bills. So uh, that's how I interpret it. And so he's just trying to you know get everyone hy- hyped up, you know, get keep the bubble afloat. Then he goes on to say, decision, yeah, decision on like this uh, spe- special like lending ratio. I don't really know too much about it, but they're gonna keep their, they're gonna keep the. They're whatever the policy they have now in place because it's the most free, free to get money out there. You know, money. You know, just give give everyone money and we'll solve the issue. We'll print our way out of it. So you know, don't even need to worry about that because we already know what's going to happen. Then he also said, metals being he he literally had the audacity. The reason why I'm in metals, as I always say, is inflation, inflation, inflation. He said metal, and I'm like nervous about the economy. And he says metals related to stronger recovery. I mean, I just don't know how you can see that. But um, you know, Jay, he's he's the chairman of the Federal Reserve. He must know a lot more than I do. Um, so yeah, you know, I want to say something about that. Uh, I forgot that I wrote this down. <laughs> In May, of, so like he was saying, met, stronger metals um, are like metals being higher are related to a stronger recovery. In so I looked at this up, you know, May of nineteen twenty nine. You know, this is before the stock market crash in nineteen twenty nine. Price of gold was three hundred eighteen dollars. It peaked in six hundred eighty eight dollars in nineteen thirty four. Those are the worst years of the Great Depression. So uh, was that like a, a good economic sign? Like the price of gold like went up like uh, a bunch and you're going to tell me, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's a good sign of economic recovery." I don't think so, buddy. Not fooling me. Another example. October 2000, okay? Tech bubble, okay? Gold was 405, peaking at 1868 in 2011. We broke that now, but uh that says something. Uh, you know, we had 2000, the tech bubble, 2008, the financial crisis. You know, gold skyrocketed. Those are very, um, very uncertain times. So, um, yeah, I don't think I don't think that uh, rise in metals signals a stronger recovery. So that's uh, my little dissection of uh, Jay Powell, what he had to say. But now we're going to go back to this thing about... Um, a lot of demand in short-term bonds and, um, you know, the Treasury general account shrinking and he has the tools to keep rates in place. So I started, um, I'm going to start, I'm going to start off with like a simple, just simple explanation of bonds. You know, bonds are debt pretty much. Hope you guys know that, debt instruments. But uh, basically the how bonds work is when you, um, um, Sorry, I got I got a text on my phone and it's and it's kind of messing me up. I'm getting a mic soon, but uh, basically, I'll, I'll turn over my phone. That's what I'm gonna do. Perfect. Okay. So bond bond the price of bonds when they go up, yields go down, and when people sell bonds, the price the, the yields go higher. So you know, right now you've seen long term treasury yields spike. You know, people are getting out of them. And actually, the short-term yields are going down. And that doesn't make sense to me. There's a disconnect from the short end and the long end. And so I think that's what Powell's talking about when he's saying there's a lot of demand in the short term. But so so why aren't people buying long-term bonds? Well, why, there's obvious, they obviously see a risk there. 
Is it inflation? Is it the U.S. dollar is not going to be able to have the same? I mean, I I, I got interrupted. I, I got a phone call, and I, I'm I'm sorry. I really want to do one take. Um, yeah, I, that's my bad. But basically, what I was saying. So yeah, bonds go up, and then yields go down. Yields go up. Bond prices go down. You know. So basically, buyers and sellers doing their thing in the market. You know, they're buying bonds, the yields are going to go down, they're selling bonds, yields are going to go up. So, I started doing some research, right? And, you know, ETFs are exchange-traded funds, they, you know, track, um, like, they have, like, S&P, for example, and it's like a, you can buy, you can, like, actually buy into the index, like a, like a fake index, pretty much. And, you know, the in, the ETF goes in and they buy actual, like, shares of each stock in the S&P 500 to replicate it. So, that's pretty much what ETFs are. I'm also going to be talking about those. So, I basically wanted to compare the bond prices from uh, the bond yields from a year ago today to today. So, uh, the one-month yields a, month, a year ago today were one6 and that right now they're 0.03. And these are not real rates. The real ones are negative. Um, and on the one year, we're the one year rate is one point three five, and the uh, was a year ago, and today it's point oh eight. Three years, one point twenty one, uh, and then today it's point two two. So looking at these, I looked up uh, GSY uh, Golf Sierra Yankee, the short term ETF for one year bonds, uh, for the one year chart on the short, like, short-term bonds, so, like, these would all be short-term, and so they've all gone down significantly, uh, more than 100 basis points, 1%, you know, and the ETF's up 0.16%, 16 bips. How does that make sense? I don't know. I don't know. People are buying short-term bonds, I guess, but then why wouldn't the ETF be up a bunch? So that's just something I don't understand. Maybe the ETF doesn't replicate it as well. I have no idea. I don't know what's going on, but something's not right. And the Schwab 1 to 5 corporate bond ETF one year is up 1.66%, so it's up. But it should be up a lot more uh, with these with these dropping drop in yields. So, you know, I thought yields go down when bond prices go up. What is happening? What is happening? So I did a little investigation today, little investigation of like the last time I saw this. And, you know, the first thing I wanted to do was, you know, see if it had any correlation to a uh, financial downturn. So, you know, I tried to go look at 1929 and the Fed, unfortunately, only has data dating back until 1990. So the first thing that popped in my head was the tech bubble, obviously. So I went... And I also wanted to make sure to check out when the Fed was raising and lowering interest rates to make sure, like, the short-term rates weren't going down because, you know, the Fed was going in and manipulating it themselves. And, you know, for good reason at the time. Not, obviously, not not, not now, I think. But, uh, so I found, uh, I went to 1999, 1998, and I couldn't find anything. Then I go to 2000. And I see from August 28th, 2000, the uh oh crap i'm gonna i'm gonna double check I, I i forgot to record that and you know that's my fault but you know i'm giving you the facts like this is like i'm i'm pr putting in some research in here so i just want to make sure i sound right 
Make sure I am right. All right. So we're on the website. Okay, the three months. Okay, perfect. So the three-month treasury bonds, the yields were 6.32. They dropped to 6.16 um, on September 24th, 2000. So that's about a month. The 30 years, however, went from 5.72 to 5.93. The yields went up, so people were selling longs and buying shorts. So they're nervous. You, you know, I think that shows that there's a sense of uh, urgency. Like something, the long, long end, something bad is going to happen in the future. There's inflation. I'm, there's major risk to my bonds. So I'm going to dump them, and I'm going to go into short term. And eventually, these flipped and inverted on the last day of the year. Uh, December 29th, uh, 2000, the yield on the three month was reading 5.89 and on the 30 years reading 5.46. Inverted yield curves is a sign of a recession. Happened in um, March, it happened in 2019, like in the beginning of the year 2020. So, I mean, you know, it's a historical sign of a recession. You know, people talk about it a lot. So, one thing I noticed was it it was short end was going down, long end was going up, and then they flipped and inverted. So then I go, huh, all right, let's go to the housing bubble, uh, housing crisis, great GFC, financial crisis, 2008, 2007. So I go to 2007 first, and I see on February, uh, and, you know, this is for the one-month bonds because they had one-month T-bonds now, or they have the data for it on the site. February 21st, 2007, I see that the yields on the one month were at 5.27. And on uh, July, no, sorry, June 28th, uh, 2007, they were at 4.08. <laughs> the same day on February, the 30 years are reading 4.79, and they went up to 5.28 by uh, June. So you see massive drop in the short end. Massive raise on the long end. So something is going on right there. Like people are nervous about the future and then they're rushing in to go buy, rushing in to go buy the short term. And they inverted officially on August 1st, 2007. And the Fed officially raised rates, uh, sorry, lowered rates, lowered rates on September 18th, 2007. So... So, like, they were going down before the Fed even stepped in, and they inverted again. So, at this point in time is where I want to say what I think this means. I mean, clearly something's not right here in the bond market. Do I think rates will invert? I mean, we got to come a long way. You know, right now, I believe I just said it was at, yeah, we're at, today we're at, I know we're at point oh three on the short end. I believe we're about... I know the 10 years, 1.35. So, you know, we got to come a percent and a bit more to invert. You know, it's possible, you know, the, two, the 30 years today, I'll just give you the reading. We're rocking a um, 2.21. So, yeah, they'd have to come up quite a bit to invert. But, I mean, the last two times that I found that this happened, they inverted. And if, you know, we go to a... Nice old chart on the NASDAQ, um, you know, just to compare the tech, to look at the tech bubble. The NASDAQ peaked. Just pulling it up here for you guys. The NASDAQ peaked in 2000 at, in March. And when this happened in August, 
the market actually sold off and just collapsed. So that's what happened in uh, 2000 with this whole uh, people selling selling long rates, buying short rates. So I'm trying to like I'm trying to come to the conclusion like what does this mean because it's happening right now, you know. So we're gonna go over to 2008. And in 2008, the market actually rallied when this happened. But eventually, we all know it came into a collapse. But both times this happened, a market collapse happened. And so, is that impending? No, I don't know. I'm not a financial advisor. I'm just telling you what I see. And I don't see anyone else talking about this. You know, one thing that I noticed that people are talking about is, you know, I was watching a lot of Bloomberg, you know, uh, Real real Yield. That's what they call it. It's a you know, great show. You know, you learn a lot about bonds. They have a lot of different managers. You know, how else are you going to get different opinions? See, we got to see what everyone else is thinking. But, you know, you make it your own. You never listen to what anyone else says. You make your own decision. But uh, so asset managers are saying short bonds, but uh, they're telling people to short bonds, get out of all bonds, and just go buy equities. But if everyone gets out of bonds, if everyone gets out of bonds, the yield, the short end yields will spike. They'll spike and the yield curves will invert. The market will freak out. The market will freak out and companies will default and fail. So what's going to happen? Is the Fed going to come in and print? If the Fed comes in and prints, like that, that's a very good possibility the Fed, Fed will come in and save the day. But if they do it, they're just going to create hyperinflation. There's already a major inflation risk. You see this with the massive rise in uh, treasury bills. You know, you see a 50% rise, 50% rise in the, uh, the yield on the year, the 10-year. It's crazy. So clearly there's an inflation risk, and that's why everyone's jumping into the short-term bonds. Um, so yeah, you know, if people realize that inflation's coming, you know, that's, they're not going to be buying any bonds. You know, they're going to be selling them. And so that's why I, I'm, I'm nervous. And I mean, I don't really know what to make out of these, these numbers, you know. Uh, you can't really lower rates anymore you know we're already at zero so do you want to go negative yeah i mean you want so i think the way the best way for the fed to get out of this is you know you just got to bite the bullet now and you know try to combat inflation you got to raise rates otherwise if you don't raise rates the market will raise rates by getting rid of all these short-term treasuries that they own and if that happens we're gonna have a huge issue you know march of last year there was no bid and you know the fed came in and saved the day but will they do that this time? Like, do they still, do they will, do they want to extend their balance sheet? They've already raised the M2 supply 25% over the past year. I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, and you know, I could be completely wrong here, but you know, I'm just seeing these numbers and I know how bonds work, you know, the basic idea and they're not moving how they should be. You know, there's a red flag is going off and so if you guys have any uh, like input ideas, please let me know because you know I really wanna. I'm trying to dig deep on this, you know, crack crack this puzzle that I I, I see right in front of my eyes. Um, but yeah, you know there there's serious risk for the short term rates to just skyrocket. You know that happens, the market will crash. It'll sell. It'll have. It'll be like a flash crash, like it was back in March. It'll sell off until the Fed does something, and if the Fed doesn't do anything. 
Yeah, I have. I, there's just I, I really don't know what to what's gonna happen. You know, I'm, I'm gonna over the next couple weeks here. You know, I'm gonna be thinking out possible scenarios. I'll dive more into it, but uh, that's what I'm thinking right now. And you know, it's not all doom and gloom. You know, I like to I like to always uh, you know talk about what I think about the markets. And you know, I think the system is fundamentally screwed up. You know, the bond market is broken clearly right now. You know, I think that happens the day that the Fed got involved and started the QE program, as I said in my first podcast. Um, it just inherently made the market not free. You know, we live, live in this illusion in America that we live in a free market, you know. Capitalism, you know, biggest growth, biggest economy, all that. And, you know, for a long time it was true. But, uh, you know, the, the, Fed, the Fed getting involved in the bond market, manipulating prices, you know, I think it's doing a lot more, more harm than good, you know, contri- creating the biggest asset bubble of all time, speculation uh, only. And so, yeah, you know, that's what I think. But, you know, there's great ways to play this. Metals, <laughs> inflation, inflation hedges, uh, other currencies. Yeah, you know, a lot of things to do, but uh, be wary, be wary. Uh, This is my update, you know. This is what I see, you know. The bond market really tells you what's going on. The bond market credit is what, like, the whole economy, that's what makes an economy work. Like, not, not spending, not cash, no, it's credit. Because if you credit, you allow people to borrow, you allow people to borrow, they can create an income. And that's how everything goes around. Um... So basically, you know, yesterday I wanted to talk about this. The podcast unfortunately got deleted. Uh, well, I deleted it due to my irresponsibleness, but uh, we're out here again. So I wanted to talk about Ray Dalio. Uh, you know, one of the largest hedge owns the largest hedge fund at, at the time. I, I don't know if it is now, but he's one legendary investor, and he came out on LinkedIn and he tweeted. Um, basically saying that he thinks there's a bubble. I'll read a couple quotes from it. Uh, in brief, the aggregate bubble gauge is around the 75th percentile today uh, for the U.S. stock market overall. In the bubble of 2000, the bubble of 1929, this aggregate gauge had a 100th percentile read. There's a very big divergence in the reading across stocks. Some are, by these measures in extreme bubbles, particularly emerging technology companies, while some stocks are not in bubbles. You know, a little bit of a rational exuberance going on here. But, uh, you know, today he has like six uh, standards that he considers a bubble. Six characteristics, I should say. Number one being prices are high relative to traditional measures. Prices are discounting unsustainable conditions. New buyers have entered the market. There is broad bullish sentiment. Purchases are being financed by high leverage. And buyers slash businesses have made extended forward purchases. Um, you know, today the total market for the first, uh, characteristic, he says it's somewhat frothy. Uh, prices are high, are high relative to measures. And for emerging tech, he says it's frothy for, uh, number two, prices are discounting us as unsustainable conditions. Today's market, he's saying there's no bubble today. Emerging tech, he's calling it frothy. Number three, new buyers have entered the market. He calls the total market frothy emerging tech. We're in a bubble. Uh, the fourth, there's broad bullish sentiment, total market, frothy, emerging tech, bubble. Five, purchases are being financed by high leverage. Today, total market, somewhat uh, frothy, emerging tech, bubble. 
six buyers businesses have made extended forward purchases today total market no bubble emerging tech somewhat frothy so you know Ray's uh, hedge fund, Bridgewater Capital, I was reading in 2007, came out with a statement saying we might be in a bubble, stock market crash might be coming. We all know what happened in 2008. So, you know, he's coming out with this warning. You know, I don't think, you know, Ray's a rich guy. I don't think he's doing it. He's coming out with this, you know, just to say it and have some fun. So, yeah, I think he's saying it as a warning and just trying to let people know. Don't buy into the hype, you know. FOMO is a dangerous thing. You know, it's in human nature. So watch out. Be careful. I mean, yeah, I'm. that's why I like gold and just defensive investments right now. You know, it's not, I mean, these numbers that I'm talking about, the problems in the bond market, really signaling something's going on deeper beneath the surface. Not going to hear about this on CNBC or, you know, your typical financial show. Because, I mean, quite frankly, I mean, I hope they know about it. I really hope they do know they they realize it because you know if people aren't realizing these these you know cracks in the market, you know something yeah, that that'd be that'd just be a travesty. You know, I just think that people aren't talking about it because they just want to buy into the hype, you know. Um and then lastly, I'm just going to talk about crypto. You know, I talked in my first podcast dump crypto. I got out at like 58,000. I was actually the high. I'm not saying it to be like, "Oh, I got out at the high." No, I'm just yeah, I mean, I, I was like, nah, I'm I'm done taking my profits. I'm just sinking it into gold. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to own anything else but you know some gold. You know, obviously, I'm diversified. Got agriculture, emerging markets, oil, little bit of yellows here and there. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to be out of crypto. I realized how big this speculative bubble was, and there's no reason having it in crypto, which I think has been extremely overbought due to this exact uh speculative bubble you know people have don't want to put their money into bonds they don't want to put it in anywhere else except stocks or bitcoin because you know that's where they know they'll get a fat return you know a lot everyone wants to get rich quick so you know bitcoin was down like 20 percent i said earlier riot was down about 25 percent they're bitcoin miners over there um so Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, had something to say about Bitcoin. The quoter, she said, I don't think that Bitcoin is widely used as a transaction mechanism. To the extent that it is used, I fear it is often for illicit finance. It is extremely inefficient. It is an extremely inefficient way of conducting transactions. The amount of energy that it consumed in the processing of those transactions is staggering. So what this signals, and I, and I, this is what I think. Biggest crypt, uh, biggest threat to crypto besides the bubble popping, obviously, is regulation. You know the reason why I love the idea of crypto is that you know there is no regulation. It is inherently a free market. If the demand's there, the price will go up. You know if there's no demand, the price will go down. And you know, uh, and you know, it's decentralized. It's cool technology. I was like, heck yes. You know that's awesome. But, you know, this, this this quote, like, I fear that it's often used for illicit finance, uses a lot of energy. We don't want that. So, I mean, I'm mean, I, I, I mean, I'm all for it. I love Bitcoin. Don't regulate it. I really hope they don't regulate it. But they're going to regulate it. And when it happens, the price is going to suffer tremendously. And, you know, people will still use it. But I think, you know, there's no reason we go. It's at 50000 right now. No reason to be buying Wait for a pullback. You'll have your chance. If you want to hold HODL, dollar cost average it. You know, long term, I think next 20, 30 years, 50 years, yeah, it'll have a nice value for you. But, uh, you know, going in right now, just 
I would I would not be I'm not doing it. That's just my my opinion on it. But you know, if anyone's coming come on here and argue with me about Bitcoin, you know, I'd be more than happy to. But uh, yeah, let me know what you guys think about that. Let me know if it was unclear on anything. Please go check the Treasury yield website. The Treasury website. Look at the yield curves. Tell me I'm not crazy. Overlaid over some charts. Let me know what you guys think. Let me know what you guys think is the possible outcomes. Uh, can the Fed do anything? I don't think they can. And they got two options: either bite the bullet or hyperinflation city, baby. Uh, we'll be back here tomorrow for a podcast. It'll be more of a market update. I mean, unless the bond market just crashes, but that's not going to happen. But uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Enjoy your day or night or whatever you're doing. Peace.